I thought it was psychedelic. I thought that was on purpose. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 208 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and the human interaction on this episode will sure as hell give you a reason to sing. Yes, this was a great chat with Jenna <laughs> McDougall of Tonight Alive, and as of late, the very beautiful Heaven She. Yes, this is an actual dream come true guest for me. I'm ecstatic about this one, but first... Congratulations are in order, Sean, because this is our fourth year anniversary episode. Hey, hey. The kid is four. The kid is four. It is now old <laughs> enough to look after itself. We should let it out into the world. Just put it outside and see where it ends up. No, imagine it. Four years. Four years. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, oh yeah, our fourth anniversary is coming up. And they were like, you had an anniversary the other day, you fucker. And I was like, yeah. 200th episode. We're on 208 now. We've done this for 208 weeks in a row. That's mental. We haven't missed a week. Some weeks we've doubled up. We have. Some weeks we have. we've added extra podcasts. This is mad. Well done, Morg. Well done to you, Morgan. It takes some fucking doing. I'm extremely proud of you. Aww. And, um, well, let's just come on leaps and bounds, haven't it? Because think about, think about when we started and we were using your giant old laptop, <laughs> and we literally had to carry around a mixing desk with us. Yeah, yeah. And now we turn up at a festival with a tiny little fucking recorder and four microphones, and we just wander about talking to people. As you could probably tell from the difference between now and the early episodes, I, I think the sound quality has got better. Uh, the quality of material has got better. We've got better both as interviewers, I think. And I'd like to thank people as well. Oh, very wholesome moment, this. Uh, congratulations to you as well, Sean. I'm very proud of us for sticking with it. 208 weeks in a row of pure mayhem, no breaks. It's a pretty cool milestone. So thank you to everyone listening for supporting us and letting us do this each and every week. And there's an extra reason to celebrate today with Jenna McDougall. Taking over the alternative scenes throughout the 2010s, Tonight Alive fastly became an important band to me and so many others, consistently evolving their sound 
and building a connection through personal storytelling and thought-provoking lyrics. Ever since the band took an unexpected tour and hiatus after 2018 due to burnout, Jenna hasn't really been seeing much, taking a break to focus on her personal life, but has now returned with a new solo project, Heaven She, as a spiritual catharsis. And we invited her on to talk about everything from her journey and starting over. And this is a guest I couldn't think of anyone better to celebrate our fourth year anniversary. Literally one of my favorite musicians and someone whose outlook on life is quite refreshing. Yeah, it was a lovely, lovely conversation with a beautiful human. I think we ended up talking to her for like an hour and 10 minutes, maybe. It was just, it was just a fucking treat to see her. Like I literally haven't seen her in the flesh for probably about nine or 10 years, I guess. Wow. Um, we once did a tour in Australia that was Lost Prophets, the Blackout and Tonight the Live. And that was my first, um, inkling of Tonight the Live. And I remember being blown away by him and going, Oh shit. But they should be on after us. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're just lovely, lovely humans. So yeah, it was great to connect again with Jenna. She was so wonderful with her time. I'm glad to see that she's happy and moving forward with music. Everybody should check out Heaven She. If you're a fan of indie, um, indie rock, Stevie Nixy type. I'm doing, I'm not doing this justice. Don't listen to me. Go and check out Heaven She. I'm sure you will <laughs> like it. I'll tell you what, go listen to Heaven She, then come back, tweet at Sappening Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and let us know what you think it sounds like. Because Sean, as you could tell, is a terrible reviewer. <laughs> but honestly, in this conversation, we're going to open up and talk about everything from the insights of Heaven She to the gossip of Tonight Alive what their state is currently as, is as a band, burnout and industry secrets people don't talk about, her time finding therapy, healing and spirituality, working with a load of her dream musicians over the years, including telling Corey Taylor how to sing, and some beautiful stories, hilarious moments, and just a really wonderful outlook on life. I really appreciate this conversation. I can't stress this enough, and I hope that everyone listening will too. But before we go straight into it, just a reminder, if you want us to continue making this podcast and going for another four years, <laughs> please go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Over there, there's a wonderful community of people who have stood by us every single week for the last four years. We wouldn't be able to continue to make this without them. We try our best to give some extra bonuses on there as much as we can it's just a great family that has come from it. And we'd love you to join us at patreon.com forward slash sapnin. But without any further ado, this is our fourth year anniversary, episode 208, with the wonderful Jenna McDougal of Tonight Alive and Heaven She. Nice. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday. I wonder if we'll get copyright strike because that sounded so, that was not <laughs> perfect. It sounded so much like the recorded version that this gets swiped off. I hope not. Anyway, Sapnin! Sapnin! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sapnin! 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 Yes! <laughs> this hey week's guys. guest is Australian legend, front person, and as of late, solo artist, Ooh. the fantastic Jenna McDougall of Heaven She and the amazing Tonight Alive. How are you? Thank you, Sean. I'm very pleased to be here and I feel happy to see you. See you both. Thank you. We both have a little bit of history with each other. It's nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah. In the words of Aaron Lewis from Stained, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's great to see you. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. How are you doing at the moment? My how's pleasure. life? How's, how's things? Yeah, good. Um, feeling a relief in the change of season at the moment. I feel like it's been a bit of a, like a, a grind year and, um, yeah, like a lot of change and um, just settling into a new groove now, like living in a new city and having the project launched um, in June this year. So everything's just kind of starting to settle into like a new chapter of my life, I suppose. Mm. So I'm enjoying that. It's starting to feel natural. How long before the project launch in had you had things written and ready to go? I started the real process in 20. 2020. I, I wrote the first Heaven She song in like 2018, but I didn't really know what was going to happen. I knew a solo project was inevitable, but it didn't really have a shape or form or a name or a sound at that time. So it took a little while and the pandemic really gave me the space to actually develop something and come in, come into a sense of self that was separate and new and like authentic to the time of my life, you know, not, not built on a former foundation. Yeah, That's, well, yeah. there's so much we want to get into in this conversation. But before we start, I should just let the listeners know I am surrounded by two very different mullets in this conversation. Oh, look <laughs> at I this. think I think we need to bring bring up. Um, I think you should shave your sides <laughs> live now on on, on Amo. No. Come on, I've got well, well they are I've quite, got, they are, I've got, a, I've got a mullet. 
Well, no, it's undercut, isn't it? It's all under... Very fresh. <laughs> You've got your own unique mood going on there. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. I gotta be the odd, I gotta be the odd one out. But no, I mean, <laughs> Jenna, there's so much love at the moment with Heaven She, and obviously this is a, really a solo project. Your first music in really five years since Tonight Live released anything and, and really being active. Uh, how has it felt launching this project, just getting back into the swing of things and really starting? fresh in a lot of ways it's surreal like it's like everything i know is built off the back of something else like i don't have a point of reference yet for something other than my experience with tonight alive and there was nothing really before that so everything's coming from that ground and that core so i feel like i'm building off something that already exists in me like i ha- i don't know if it's been long enough for me to know like to have a new perspective on it all. But like, I guess, as I mentioned before, it felt like a grind, like being solo and independent and not, you know, I have one team member essentially, and I'm just starting to build like a um, booking agent relationships. So like up until now, it's it's felt like a really like solo mission with um the vision and the execution and the research and the communications and everything. So it's like, it's kind of been quite business minded, but the nice thing is it came off the back of two years of like pure creativity. So I love that the vision and the music is really built off like art. At the moment, my mind isn't in the art. So (laughs) just while I'm building the foundations of it, it feels like I'm working. So I'm really excited to be on stage and, and like be doing art because the majority of Tonight Alive was that. I was really experiencing everything through the lens of just like performance and connecting with an audience and like using my body and using my voice. Whereas at the moment, I'm kind of using my brain a lot, <laughs> which has its merit too. How, how are you finding the business side of it? Because I know my old band, The Blackout, recently got back together or whatever. And we, we did an, an interview the other day how the business side kind of killed it towards the end for us because we had to look after it and it was so much and, you know, we could see things falling away or whatever. Like, so how much um, have you had to learn? How are you finding the business side of it? Have you just taken to it like a duck to water or has it been difficult at all? I think from the outside, it looks like I'm taking to it really naturally, whereas on the inside, I look at it and I'm just like, this is really distracting and... um there was like a really privileged position about just being the singer of a band before where everybody was really trying to protect the fact that like you have to be the front person and you have to be the like representative. And so everyone's, everyone's intention was just like, make sure that like she can do her job really well and everybody take care of the rest. That it's kind of, it's all inclusive as heaven she. Um, so I'm still adjusting to that. And I, I think it's really interesting, but I'm, I'm going to have to find a way to like balance it basically. And I still want to prioritize creativity over business. Um, but for right now, I want, I want to own everything and I, I want to achieve as much as I can without like bringing other people into the story. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, because I saw that you've mentioned that a couple of like labels and stuff have, have had conversations, but you've even thought about maybe starting your own record label with this because you want to keep it all in-house and own everything. Yeah, I, I've just seen how you can dedicate 10 years of 
your life to something and walk away with pretty much just memories and experience, which isn't anything to like um, throw away, you know, they're, they're beautiful things to walk away with. But usually if somebody dedicates 10 years of their life, like full time to a chosen path, you, you have a lot more like ground grounding, like footing in life and maybe a little bit more security and things like that, which aren't important to you when you're a teenager and when you're in your early twenties. Yeah. Very uh, much so. Very much. Beyond. Yeah. 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 What's been the most surprising aspect of the business that you've seen so far? Oh gosh. I think it's like the social media, like, um, <laughs> realm and yeah. just seeing how much, yeah, how much we're kind of like asked to exploit ourselves. Um, that just didn't really feel like it existed before. Maybe it didn't. It just was, it just felt like that was at another level. But now it's just like in front of you all the time with your devices. So that temptation to, temptation to, to make yourself, um, just ever available. I don't really want to give into that. I don't want that to <laughs> be the, the way that my music reaches people. But well, yeah, it's a dance. Yeah, no, literally, literally. But there is so much excitement around these songs because people really just haven't heard from you for the last couple of years. Since Tonight Live kind of went on hiatus, you disappeared. You're not really that active on social media until this project. So just for everyone, what was life like for you in the like kind of transition period? What, what were you up to? What was your day-to-day like? The first couple of... First year or two was sort of just like um, feeling quite lost, but also really hopeful and just inviting all the new experiences in and kind of being a like an, a coming into adulthood whilst also reclaiming like the childlike experience of spontaneity and things like that that you don't have when you're in a band as much because there's so much structure and um, direction. So when you come out of that, yeah, it was interesting, like moved away from the hometown, didn't see all the people that I lived with and worked with for years just constantly. So like, yeah, it was a lot of new experiences and it was a lot of fun and it felt like I was, it was a coming of age, like a uh, rite of passage moment. And then like going through the lockdowns and everything in Melbourne was just a really creative time and like just surrounded by nature, really fortunately moved out to a semi-regional area and like just went on bushwalks every day and played the piano every day and yeah just got into got into some interesting philosophical classes and yeah there's just a lot of self-development in that time so it's actually been a really lovely time away from stage and away from social media it's actually been quite wholesome and like a lot of personal development and healing and stuff like that a lot of processing what tonight alive was and yeah just kind of arriving do you feel that time was really needed and important for you to kind of have a break from everything just to focus on like mental health more than anything? And really, you've been in the spotlight as a, as a musician since you were like 16. So I'm sure you really haven't had to, you haven't had the chance to live life properly in that time. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like having friendships, having like routines, having a, your favorite restaurant, like just ending up at gigs. Like I noticed that I didn't really go to gigs. I was like, you just at gigs all the time that you play, but you don't, you're not really, you kind of lose that love for music and live music. So yeah, there's a lot of beautiful, like normal things that happened that I didn't get to experience until like late twenties, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. It was necessary. Definitely. And like, I was pushing so hard to create music, but like didn't have 
the stability or the like inspiration post touring, you know, um, post burnout and all that kind of stuff. So it just took time. That was the advice I kept getting was like, just live a little, like have an, have some experience that's new and the inspiration will come from there. So that took time. You just have to be patient sometimes with growth and creativity. Yeah. Saying that, I had the same. I had the same thing when the um, when the blackout finished in 2015. I had no desire to basically go to other gigs to the point mm. where me and my, me and my girlfriend went to see um, Deaf Havana play in Bristol, and I I felt like I was at work, but somebody else was doing my job. So like we went to go and see this band that she loves that I love, and we were there, and I was just thinking, you know, I meant to be up there now. I wasn't looking at it like the passion I used to have for music. I was looking at it like, well, they should be on in five minutes now. Set time is nine, nine yeah. o'clock. So yeah. back, backstage now, they're just getting ready. They probably threw that door warming up. And it, it, just, it just became like the term in the UK for it would be a busman's holiday where the busman drives you to your destination, but he's not there on holiday. He's working. Going to gigs wasn't fun anymore. It was literally... Oh, let's see how this... Like, I was standing there judging and going, right, how does this gig work? Let's see what they've got. Ooh, pink lights. That's nice. And it was just... <laughs> yeah. it, it, it had gone from me going to gigs going, I fucking love music! To being like, oh, well, I would have done that better. And that's... Yeah, mm-hmm. it just kind of... It took probably about three or four years of me after that to get over that and be like, I love music. I love music. So, yeah, was that the same for you? Did you have a period, like... Away yeah. from music, listening to music, or I think I fell in love with music coming away from the band and coming away from touring more and like discovering more music and especially Australian music. I kind of just found a like a pocket um, of sounds that I really got into. And like recently this year, it's really nice buying tickets for shows as well that you have no connection to the anyone in the crew. You can't get a ticket like. And you don't want to, like for me at the moment, I'm like, I don't want to ask for free tickets. I want to pay and like go and experience something and be a fan. And this year I went and saw a band called Amel and the Sniffers and I went on my own. And have you heard of them? They're a punk Australian band. They're kind of like, yeah, like a 70s punk sound. Um, I went on my own and I just pushed my way into the center of the crowd and I was in the pit for the whole set. And I was like, I knew every word and I was, you know, getting pushed and pushing and like losing shoes and, <laughs> completely sober and just like looking at someone and being like, I idolize this person. Like they look so free and like, yeah, it just really, it, it, it inspired me it, and it, it fueled my passion. But like, I, it's nice to remember what an audience loves about an artist as well. Like what are the feelings that people take away and like the lens that you see an artist through. It was, it's nice to be a fan, really nice to be a music fan again. That was one of the um, deciding factors for the reunion of the Blackout was that we went to go and see... Some of us went to 2000 Trees Festival and we saw a band called Young Guns do a reunion. Yeah, Young Guns, yeah. We were so delighted for them. I guess everybody has that worry that if you come back, is anybody going to care? But they had like 2,000 people, maybe more than that, singing every word. And it was like me me and the guitarist and the Blackout were standing there going... Imagine this for us. Like, this is amazing. Look how loved they are. Look how much everybody's singing, singing the songs. Mm. They haven't put anything out for years and people know every yeah. word to every song. Maybe we could do this again. And then, yeah, that's what's lit 
the fuel, the f- fire under us. We're ignoring the business side of it now. We're trying our best <laughs> to be like, uh, yeah, to be like, look, we're not, we're not putting any records out. We're not contracted to anyone. But yeah, it, it, it took, it took that moment of seeing a band killing it and being like, oh yeah, we could do this. This is amazing. Like I, I want to do this again. But yeah, it was good to see that you had a similar thing with um, Armel and the Sniffers. It's a beautiful place to come back to. Uh, who else have I seen? I'd have to like, let that come back to me, but I'm about to go and see a, a festival called Good Things and mm. Deftones are the headliner. Oh, so nice. I've never seen Deftones before, but I'm looking forward to that. And there's a few bands on there that we toured with a lot, so I'm just excited for that sense of reunion that you kind of feel all the time when you're touring. You feel like you're always reuniting with friends from other sides of the world. That's been an, that's been an interesting separation to feel that like a lot of the relationships you develop when you're touring are not in your hometown and like your community's really spread out. So that's been an interest. That was an interesting adjustment. Um, Yeah. But young guns were the first band that took tonight alive out in the UK. Oh, in 2012. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, yeah. You played Pump the on that tour. I, uh, oh, I remember I'm correctly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are you sorry? What is it? Is that a Pond yeah, Welsh? Pond de- yeah, Welsh. It must have been nice to kind of remove yourself from the exterior of all that and just en- enjoy things and, and see how normal people are get to experience these things as a fan more than anything because again you've been behind the scenes in music for so long you kind of overlook a lot of things that the people actually experience yeah and i've I've taken notes recently when i go to a gig that i'm like you know everybody has to factor in time in their day to like get there and like find parking and like get a good spot and like there's a whole atmosphere of being in a crowd before an artist even comes on stage. So um, I just take notes of things like that more often now, like what what it's like to be an audience member. Yeah, I want to consider that a lot more when I'm on stage and yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's good to see you've had that crossover. Do you play music too, Morgan? Uh, no, I, well, I play guitar and stuff as a hobby, but not, not, not as a band or profession or anything, but yeah, it's nice to have that kind of that that separation. But um, Gemma, one thing I did want to talk to you about is I I noticed kind of in the kind of interval between the projects, you've kind of really took up spirituality and really focused on your mental health and everything. Can you just talk to us through that kind of process and how it really uh, affected you and what you've kind of learned from it and how you take it in? So yeah, a kind of everyday routine now? Yeah, sure, sure. Happy to. Um, what I've found is that the reason for seeking anything in my experience has come from like pain and suffering. So it actually started through health for me. Um, and that was the reason why I ever started questioning like what's the difference between the self and the body and are they the same thing and are, am I the body and am I eternal, am I... Am I temporary? Like, is and my afflictions actually like, yeah, my experience is actually me. So I don't know. That started in when I was about twenty three, and um, just always felt an attraction towards answers and being solution orientated. And 
I don't know. I was just fortunate that that drew me into more, yeah, esoteric and spiritual themes. Um, so just gradually over time, just delved into this and that. And um, I've found that the more I care for my vessel, like the more functional the self is. So really a lot of my practice is just trying to like sustain the body actually, which isn't necessarily like a spiritual practice, but it keeps me functional. And I just, I think I'm quite sensitive to being dysfunctional. So I I notice when, I just notice when I don't feel well, like my body talks a bit louder. So I don't know if I've uncovered any great like spiritual truths, but um, I watched the David Bowie movie, Moon Age um, Mm. Daydream tonight, and he was saying in it that like just it's okay to not know and that the point is the search and the seeking and, and it's not about actually reaching a conclusion because when you do like that satisfaction is actually kind of maybe boring. Um, so staying in the adventure of the search, that's kind of where I find myself right now. Every time I think I've, I've found a definitive truth and an absolute something comes along and challenges it. And it, it kind of is rocking my reality at the moment that I thought I'd, found something concrete but that may not you know maybe nothing lasts <laughs> like even certainty and conviction and and realization it's kind of it's just as fleeting as anything else that's where i'm at at the moment and and mixing that with kind of just therapy and everything in between do you think that was a really healthy choice looking back to kind of get over all the burnouts and any love lost towards music to kind of refocus yourself, find yourself again, and then be able to make a project like Heaven She. Yeah. Was the therapy kind of like quite critical to that? hundred percent. Like, I can't believe I wasn't talking to somebody throughout, like throughout the majority of my life and like the career and everything. I, I can't believe that um, I wasn't getting support. And like having someone contextualize and help me process stuff that was going on that was really significant or really distressing or really isolating. Um, Yeah, I suppose music was that therapeutic influence in life, Um, songwriting. But like having having a bit more of a grounded perspective and a, what's the right word, Um, like a rational mind. And like a objective mind, like to kind of reflect on, that's a great thing. And yeah, I've, I've found a lot of um, relief in sort of somatic therapies. So just talking, but also getting energy healing or like body work as well to release stuff. It's amazing if you hit a point in the body, like what visions you can get and what pain you can release or what what will come up. I find that really amazing how the body stores emotional information. That was hugely transformative. Was there a moment where you were like, oh, well, I need to talk to someone or I need to start therapy or was it suggested to you or was it just something that kind of happened? It kind of happened. Like when I, when we took the hiatus, I moved to Melbourne and the, the unit that I lived in was next door to a wellness center where there were like different workshops and like therapists in there all the time. I was very attracted to it because the door said community health initiative. And that, oh. I was like, oh, gosh, what's this place? And it had like a rainbow <laughs> symbol on the door. 
So I kind of fell into it, but I really connected with a woman who lived next door to me and saw her every week for a while and just like had huge breakthroughs and just became a bit more of a whole person again. And I really needed at that time, like coming off the road, like things were quite chaotic at that time. It didn't feel like a beautiful closure. It was just like, holy shit, what a mess. Like, let's like sidestep this situation and all get well. Yeah. But I appreciate you opening up about that kind of part of your life as well because personally I've over the last year I've been through a few different therapy things myself and I think it is really important to kind of talk about that to people because there's so many there's so many people just in struggling at the moment who don't have a place to talk to so it is nice to see that other people are kind of exploring exploring that option um and stuff as well um moving on to tonight alive what is the current status of the band at the moment? Because you've mentioned before that you're kind of being in conversations with the guys about maybe doing something again and that you know it kind of happened around the same time you were getting everything ready for Heaven She. But is, is there any updates on that? Is it, is it just a constant talk of, of what if or...? It's not constant, I would say. Like, I think it was quite an active conversation at the start of the year. Um... And yeah, one of the guys in the in the band has started a family. Two of them live overseas. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's not an evolving conversation at present. But the door and or window or whatever is open. Um, but it's a it's a serious negotiation of like getting aligned, getting five people or four people to align their lives again after all these years and like all of kind of the traumatic events and this kind of stuff that went on, like it's, that's not necessarily happening naturally right now. So the truth at the time when we were, when I was revealing that we were, it was the case that, yeah, that those discussions were happening and those plans were coming together. But at present, I think everyone's quite focused on their own lives and it's it's just going to have to happen naturally and at present that's not the case yeah it must be nice for the blackout that like is that did you know that was going to happen we did you all well basically we had we've had seven years off and the boys went and wow. did the, yeah did the whole uh, children things and then um, <laughs> yeah so they went they went they went and did that and then they realized oh yeah i've ruined my own life of night by by having these children um, I, I'd like to be in a band again. <laughs> oh, remember that thing that I enjoyed that was really, really cool that I haven't done for seven years because of these little bastards? Um, <laughs> Jenna's reaction to that is priceless, by the way. I'm getting people that want to see that. Jenna's reaction to everything Sean just said priceless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, um, you know, it was just literally we, we, we saw Young Guns and then we were like, we're all friends. None of us fell out. It got to a point where lives took over and monetary wise if we had carried on people would have had to have relied more on their partners to um you right. know bring the money in or whatever so that the whole business side had taken the fun out of it for us the fact that we were yeah. um you know doing everything or whatever and then we were finding out that we'd basically been ripped off by a record label that we didn't know about yeah um yeah. who still owes us nearly thirty thousand english pounds <sighs> 
to this day. Mm. Um, and they've recently lost somehow. They've this record label has been scammed, and they've lost the rights to our first record and our EP. How? 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 How has somebody stolen those things from them? And they're like, "Oh yeah, we have. We, there's no way we can get them back." Oh cool, somebody else owns oh, the records. God. But yeah, so it was like all those things mounted up to us going, "Oh look, let's just knock this on the head," and then. Decided that we'd go for a curry because we all live um, quite far away from each other. Not as far as you guys. Like you, you're overseas. <laughs> we're literally, we're literally sixty miles away from each other, and we're like, we can never do this again. It's too far. <laughs> and then yeah, we ended up. We went for some food with some friends, and we just went. Wouldn't it be fun just to do some shows? Just to you know, remember, remember these, and see if any, if any, um, yeah, if any of our fans are still alive, maybe they'll want to come to them. The reaction has been so, so good that it's it shocked us, to be honest. We've all been absolutely... Because it's still, to me, it's like I said to you before we started, it still, to me, feels like that we conned thousands of people <laughs> into liking a band. And the fact that we've, we get to do it again is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I cannot wait. I cannot oh, wait. That's the best place to be coming in from. Like, how encouraging that is. And like how natural it is that you've come back together. There's no pressure. That's that, that like I don't see a better yeah scenario. That's really great. Hearing that from your point of view, do you just feel like if tonight live is going to happen, it's just going to be really naturally, and there's no point you guys sitting down and picking up a blueprint or anything. It's just if it happens, it happens, and then you can really enjoy it. Yeah, and maybe that was a little off-putting, was like coming up with an enormous plan and I think that maybe overwhelmed people um, because everybody's kind of passionate about other things now. But there is that common thread, yeah. Was there a moment in particular where you all felt the burnout for Tonight Live was getting too much because you were a band touring constantly, like you're always on the road, you're always doing something, always in an album cycle. Was there anything that really sparked the thing of being like, right, we, we need to take a break? Because I'm I'm aware that when you did your last tour, you you didn't know that was going to be your last tour before you took the hiatus. That's true, yeah. Well, the year before we um, called the hiatus was 2017 when we made Underworld. And, like, I think we were already burning out at that time. In 2016, we put out a record called Limitless and it basically just sort of, like, it was a a really high-pressure record that was, like, a a lot of money went into and a lot of energy and expectations about commercial success and stuff like that. Because that didn't happen, I think, like, we lost the support of the label and our management was, like, you need to basically write a follow-up record straight away. And we were, like, oh, my God, the album had only come out months ago and it was just just kind of devastating. So 2016 was like this big push year and then 2017 was like, let's recover. And that year our guitarist decided to leave the band after we made the record, the last record. Um, So basically 2018 was like the album year, but we were recovering again from like the loss of the guitarist. And it was just like, oh man, the health and mental health and the relationships, everything was in like a pretty chaotic but it was also the most successful year for Tonight Alive. Like it's a (laughs) serious high despite like the internal turmoil. So like I I look back on that as like we were at our peak and that was kind of a cool way to take a break. Um, But 
internally like quite unwell. <laughs> All of us had our own kind of issues. So um, getting to the end of that year and like pushing through the last festivals, I was like, I think I don't think I can go to U- um, the US on a winter tour in my condition. And that's when we decided to cancel a tour and take a break. But it was meant to be a six-month break. But even after six months, we were like, I don't think anybody felt like mended enough to get out again. I just think the way we worked was like hard but not smart. Like we were in that old paradigm of just like tour to break a band. But like we toured America like 17 times and we didn't necessarily break, you know. So we, we kind of snapped ourselves, I think. There's, there's kind of smarter ways to do it now. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun and all we wanted to do was be on stage anyway. So uh, it's just something that probably can't and won't be repeated. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like a lot of up and downs, but I'm glad you're, you're doing well and back in love with <laughs> music and, and releasing these new songs, with haven't she? Um, one thing I was really surprised by reading was the fact that these are kind of the first songs you've written completely by yourself because obviously in the band environment you're collaborating and and everything how did that feel to start off with was it a little bit daunting were you in your own head a little bit or did you just feel freedom because you could essentially do whatever you want with them because there's no preconception of what a solo song or a heaven she song should be like yeah oh well to start with i had a very different expectation for the project because my my favorite song that tonight live had released was temple and that was off the last the underworld record and i loved that song like how heavy it was and like erratic the vocal melody was and how like potent and like raw the lyrics were and i just thought i want to extend that train of thought because that was like a moment for us and it felt like really authentic to me so that's kind of where i expected heaven she to go i thought it was going to be erratic like punk music but Um, I tried to write that for a couple of years and I think I just needed to fall in love with different sounds and also like develop the skill to write a song on my own. I tried to do a lot of songwriting sessions, even with awesome musicians from Australia, like the singer of the getaway plan and the guitarist of North lane. So I was really trying to write with rock artists, but like we weren't, we just weren't gelling in, in the, in the way that I imagined. So um, once I bought a piano and like fell in love with the war on drugs and the national, that's when I, <laughs> I don't know, some kind of new neural pathway opened up and, um, I just couldn't stop writing songs once I bought a piano actually. Oh, and wow. once we went into lockdowns, yeah, that yeah. was really new for me. Yeah. So, uh, it was, it was, it was def- definitely not easy and <laughs> I didn't have the confidence or I kind of felt like I didn't have the skill to write alone like to start with but it, yeah i guess persistence perseverance got mm. there in the end what, mm. what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself during these kind of writing process and just kind of trying new things and pushing the envelope and and not being afraid to to do it completely solo i guess like what comes to mind is you don't get to decide all the time what what your creativity want like which direction it wants to take and, um, yeah, like, I guess in the song Temple, I say control isn't real and I never had it. And I suppose, like, that's kind of the lesson that I learned with writing Heaven She as well. It's mm. like, I didn't know I was going to write, like, country-leaning indie rock. I really didn't. <laughs> like, I don't listen to a lot of that kind of sound anyway. So, 
yeah, you probably, you have an in, inner voice and you have an inner continuum that like your life will influence, but like you have a, a core essence that's going to come through and all you have to do is kind of get out of the way. So that's probably the biggest lesson I've taken away yeah, from yeah. the process. Well, saying that, one thing I did want to talk about is I'm a huge fan of all of your work, but one thing I've always noticed is the kind of different sounds and evolution that's being across every kind of project and album because Tonight Alive started really pop punk and you evolved in kind of an alternative emo and then experimental stuff. These songs give me a lot of folk and indie kind of vibes and I was just wondering creativity, like, does it hit you that you want to try something new every time and that there's a concept and you go over that or is it just kind of whatever influences are hitting you at that point in your life from growing older and finding new things like is, is there a mixture in, in between or like how 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 do you look at at it because every release to me feels completely different mm. i think there's been times when I've, I've i've referenced a song and or a band and gone like I love this. It resonates and I really want to create my own version of it. But more, more often than not, like it happens by, by chance, by accident or whatever, like by inspiration. So with Heaven She so far, I haven't tried to manipulate any particular sound or experience. But yeah, for the most part, even with Tonight Alive, like there was a period where I was referencing like three days grace, I think they call like. That song, I Hate Everything About You. Is that what they call Three Days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just referenced that song so much. (laughs) Um, And those kind of like new metal beats um, that had like a bit of a jump in them. That was like around the Limitless era. That's the, the, the time where I can remember the most that I was really trying to channel a sound. But for the most part, things just kind of come through naturally and... And at the moment I'm finding with Heaven She, I'm writing a lot of songs that remind me of this spider bait song. I think spider bait, is that what they're called? There's a song in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, Calypso. They have a song on the 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack called Calypso and it starts with this really feminine, sweet voice and like a light, folky kind of poppy guitar and then it goes into like a grungy, fast, headbangy chorus. I just I just noticed that like I've loved that music since I uh, sorry that that movie since I was a teenager and now at thirty like I keep writing songs that remind me of that even though I've hardly listened to the music in an isolated setting. So yeah, I don't know. Just find that you connect and bond with sounds and feelings, and then like later they present themselves in, in your own interpretation. So I don't mm. know if that answers your question, but it's it's yeah, it's interesting to hear that because like yeah, as a, like a consumer of the music. It must feel refreshing for you that you do have these different elements to a back catalogue of songs as well, that you can be like, oh, you can show people that oh, this is, this is if you like Blink-182, you'll like this kind of album, or if you like kind of darker stuff, you know, right. like the music like that. So yeah, I just didn't know if like influences or just like themes were something that really you focus on more than the other. It's always a retrospective thing that you can actually categorize something or figure out where it came from i think in the moment you're not really aware of of its like of its um inception or like where the inspiration came from tends to make sense for me later yeah and i've always enjoyed the kind of visual aspect alongside everything as well because you've kind of always gone from the extreme 
of a kind of just like a fashion or the aesthetic and stuff with, right. with every every release is that quite nice for you as well that when you start a new era of your music career that you can just be like right i'm gonna start from scratch and we're gonna get the paintbrushes out and, and really just go from a blank canvas that as well feels like a natural process like it's not really so deliberate like but I think I've always had that identity crisis experience going on from a young age of like, who am I and how can I express that? And how do I make my external um, representation? Like how do I align that with the internal feeling? So that's always an evolving thing. I don't think I've really stayed the same for very long. Mm. As soon as I learn something new or feel something new or find, find a new interest, it's like I kind of feel I have to make an evolution on the outside. I wonder when that'll settle down, if it will. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when will, people yeah. just like, I'm secure with who I am and I don't need to like change. I wonder when that happens. Yeah, well, when you think about it, like when you think of probably some of the most secure people you could, you probably think, like David Bowie, for example, like yeah. as, as cool as he seemed in himself, constantly changing, constantly evolving. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe, yeah. It sounds daunting, but yeah, maybe that doesn't happen and you just keep evolving yeah. and getting better and better like um, Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that, don't know where that reference comes from. Um, but yeah, one, one of the things I wanted to ask was, um, because I don't, want, I don't want us to talk about Tonight Alive and talk about the hiatus and the, the energy and whatever up towards the end. Um, but was there a moment when Tonight Alive had first started or in the early years where somebody that you loved musically and shown interest in Tonight the Live or you met one of your heroes or anything? Is, it, is there anything like that that happened that is a moment that you will never forget? Yeah, the, the one that comes to mind is like we, we got a writing session with Benji Madden from Good Charlotte and I loved Good Charlotte from the age of like 12 or 13. And I actually used to draw a Good Charlotte like tattoo on my arm and like, I remember going to my guitar lessons and my guitar teacher would be like, oh, are you going to get that tattooed? And I was like, definitely. I'm always going to love Good Charlotte. Another <laughs> 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 um, obsessive teenage way. And when I was, yeah, well, I would have been in my early 20s and we got this writing session with Benji Madden and I, I think I cried or something. Like, I think I had oh. like an emotional, yeah, reaction to that. I was like, this is so insane. We did get a lot of those full circle moments and he was, he was a really beautiful guy and like a really great mentor that, both the Madden brothers are so, um, such natural mentors and they went on to do things like The Voice and I think they have their own management company and stuff like they really seem to want to help encourage artists and got a lot of amazing advice out of that, that session. And he came and did the music video with us. He did everything for free. You know, I think we just, we just did equal writing splits. It's just like a beautiful um, example to us of like, someone super successful that's reached celebrity status as a musician and how generous and humble someone like that can be. Did you not find that though with touring that the bigger the band were normally the cooler mm -hmm. or more down to earth they kind of were because they'd done it all. And yeah, so I, I found it, it was normally the bands who had just started, who were on their way up, who were normally the ego filled rock stars. And then you know, you get your Maddens, you get your Duff McKagans from uh, Guns N' Roses, who by all means 
could be absolute fucking dicks to us <laughs> and you'd be like yeah that's fine you yeah. wrote the anthem you're allowed to be a dick you wrote lifestyles of the rich and the famous carry on bench but yeah. it's always yeah. those people who end up being like the most normal and the loveliest and the least pretentious you're completely right yes yeah. it's crazy yeah. like I, I can't believe it took me Probably took me about five years of being in the blackout to be like, oh, everyone my level seems like a dickhead, but everyone bigger than me seems really cool. I better try and be cool then. And yeah, I remember one of the first moments where, but yeah, I, I was lucky enough to meet Pharrell. And wow. he was the genuinely the nicest human I've ever met in my life. And I was like, I can't believe, because there were, there were moments in like, I guess the blackouts passed where I was probably like, I'm fucking king of the world. I'm king of Wales. At least I'm king of Wales, if not the world. Yeah, after meeting him, I was like, oh, I can never, I can never fucking ignore anybody ever again because this man is a delight. Mm. It was it was just such a nice moment to meet him and him just be nice to me and me like, oh, yeah, there's no need for anybody to be a dick. <laughs> if Pharrell, who's worth $90 million, could be nice to Sean, <laughs> who's worth seven pounds from Merthyr Tidville, then Sean, who's worth seven pounds, can be nicer to um, <laughs> other people. So, yeah, it made me want to be a better person. Oh, gosh, that's awesome. And what was the context that, that you met him in? Um, the Blackout got us to support Linkin Park on a couple of, um, what was it called? Project Revolution wow, dates. Cool. And um, yeah, awesome. one of the gigs was in Munich. NERD were on the gig. We, we watched them from the front of the barrier. Like I literally sat up like a child. Oh my God, Pharrell's there. And then they started playing and they could see us because we were like the others. We were the security side of the barrier, just sitting on the front barrier looking. And he could see me singing and nodding along. And he sent his security guard down to ask if we wanted to get on stage with them. So it was like oh. me... Bert McCracken and Pharrell were just dancing to any idea, you know, like you do, like, you know, normal night out, normal night out, me, Pharrell and Bert McCracken, or, cool. or as he's now known, <laughs> Youngblood. I don't get what your connection you're drawing there, Youngblood and Bert McCracken. He was making, he was making a joke and they sound the same. Uh, Youngblood, Youngblood is the British Bert McCracken and I'm not having anybody say, tell me otherwise because they're exactly the same to me. I haven't thought about that. I haven't felt that yet. I'm going to listen out. There's a there's a song they both feature on uh, oh, Machine Gun do, Kelly's yeah. song. I can't yeah. tell who's who. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the same voice except English. Yeah, it's um. But yeah, no, I and don't get me wrong. I love both Bert. I love Robert and um, Dominic equally. But yeah, so yeah, we ended up on stage, and then Pharrell came after the after the gig. I was standing in our dressing room door, waiting for him to go past like some sort of creepy fan. And he walked past and I said, oh, good show. And he stopped and he said, what, really? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're one of the ultimate party bands. They had two drummers. They were doing like fucking Seven Nation Army. And I was like, bro, that was amazing. Like that genuinely blew my mind. You're the ultimate party band. And he was like, oh, that means the world to me. I was like, no, Whoa. that should mean nothing to you. I'm scum. It was just, it wasn't long after he did that song with Snoop Dogg. Um, Drop it like it's hot. That song with Snoop Dogg, like it's a shit song. Oh my god! So I was a bit because of the old uh, cheek cheek tapping in that. I was like, has he given up on producing? Like, has he reverted to like, oh, oh we haven't got any music for this song? I'll use my cheek. But then he started talking about like he had a rapper that 
um, was going to release a song that sounded like Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, what? You're into Nine Inch Nails? This shows how long ago it was. They did a show for MySpace in Munich. Yeah, invited us along. And then when we got there, it was like a 300 capacity room. And their tour manager came and found me. I was like, Pharrell doesn't want you out here with the crowd. He wants you backstage. And I was like, okay. Whoa. So me, me and one member of the Blackout went into this, into their dressing room. We were the uh, only Caucasian lads there. And then they had a, they had a prayer <laughs> circle. They had a prayer circle and neither of us are religious. And we were just like, oh, well, yeah, man. Oh, really help, I really hope Jesus helps us out with this gig. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, um, Did they ask yeah, was, you to contribute? Oh no, I was, no, no, I was just there awesome. pretending. I was like, oh yeah, well, yeah, what these guys are thinking. Yeah, whatever these guys want, <sighs> give it to a fella. We went on to see him a year later then in Pink Pop or P- Puckle Pop. He dedicated lap dance to us. And I was like, I can't believe he even remembers me. This is nuts. He was an absolutely delightful human. And I'm sorry to any listeners to who have heard this story before and are bored of it. <laughs> I can't help it. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. With, with all that as well, just looking back at some of the collaborations you've done over the years, there's been a lot of kind of guest features or you've kind of worked with from people from like Mark Hoppus to Good Charlotte, Lynn from Paris, Parkway Driving, even Corey Taylor. I mean, that is a hell of a collection of people. Is there anyone is, yeah. in particular that really stands out for you of just like the way they contributed musically or the or the way that they kind of write songs or do vocals, anything like that that you took away from or learned or were just impressed by? It was lovely recording My Underworld with Corey Taylor. We did it separately, you know, separately. We hadn't even met actually at the time, but like just the correspondence was so positive and so warm. And I took a lot away from that. And he was very open to um, receiving my like, request and kind of direction how I wanted him to perform it which is kind of bold that I even went there should have probably just given him you know full free reign but I I just said I love the thing he does in Slipknot with his voice where it's like a spoken I don't remember how I described it but it's like a really dark gravelly deep spoken way of singing and he was like, oh, I totally know the thing. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and that was just like a layer that we used. But he was such, just so positive and lovely. And when, when I met him at a Stone Sour show sort of a few months later and he was like, this is my favourite collaboration I've ever done. And, I, again, it's one of those things where you just take so much away from the, like, the communication and the way that someone handles themselves and how, like, warm and generous they are with you. That, that's something I've noticed the most. Who else did you mention before? Parkway Drive was really cool as well because they gave me the free, like the full free right now. Like we don't really mind what you do, just like have fun. And I did. It was just a day off on on a tour and um, I went into the studio with their producer, I think who's Australian or may- maybe he's not Aussie, but I, I kind of can't remember now. But I just had so much fun like singing on a metal song because a lot of people invited me to do features um, but like on their ballads and I never really wanted mm. to do that. I didn't want to be like the, the female voice on, on a heavy band's ballad. Like mm. that didn't appeal to me. I really wanted to be a part of heavy music. So th- that was a really cool moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just imagine me being like 17 and thinking about having Corey Taylor on a song 
and yeah, I I would have shit myself. Like I remember, like when yeah. they first came out, Kerry King. I remember Kerry King was in Kerrang saying he'd just seen a band called Slipknot, and it was nine madmen in masks who started a bonfire in the middle of the stage, <laughs> and they were being sick <laughs> on each other. And I was like, that's the greatest band I've ever heard of. And then yeah, you get the you get correspondence with him. Yeah, that's yeah. mad. Bonkers. Yeah, that just that just sort of happened because he started following me on Twitter. And I was like, how <laughs> did this happen? And, I, yeah, that was like 2015, I think. So I just sent him a message and said, oh, I'm like really honored, flattered, like love your work. And he was just really like, hope you're looking after yourself out there. Like it's a bit mad. So like look after yourself type of thing. It was just a really lovely mo- moment from an elder. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But that list of people you've worked with really is full of some real icons. And I know you probably don't, it doesn't sink in until someone like me reads it out to you, but it must be totally crazy. That list was lovely. Yeah. It must yeah. be crazy to think like, wow, well, like, I, yeah, you've worked with a lot of maybe your idols from when you were younger or just a lot of bands that people really look up to. 100%. And we were really fortunate. We opened for so many bands that we loved. Like, I don't think. I think there's like maybe one or two bands that like the crossover never happened. Maybe it was like Fallout Boy and there might have been like one other. But we every band I loved as a teenager, like Tonight Alive's opened for or played on the same festival as. That's so class. Dreams dreams come true. Like <laughs> I never I never thought it wouldn't happen. Like so well, I, I, I don't know. They, I was always I was always told never meet your heroes. And I have met all my heroes, and they were all lovely. Have you met any dicks Aww. who were heroes? Even if you can't name them, if you can't name them, that's fine. But has there been anybody that you've been like, oh, I wish you weren't like that. I was expecting better. Oh yeah, um, yeah. The a band called the Blackout, I'd imagine, was it? <laughs> no, they were great times. Maybe just yeah, sort of in the recent years, I like put myself forward to like pay respects to an artist that I was just so thrilled to see and to meet and like be in the front row for her show and like the absolute like disgust and rejection I felt from her when I put myself forward to say like I loved your show was just really like shocking. So, that like that was a really cool, I guess like it kind of bummed me out to the point where I can't enjoy the music the same anymore because I was like, wow, I, I can't believe like how unkind someone could be in a moment where you're trying to offer a compliment and praise type of thing. I've always known that like the way you treat people really matters and like even your body language and the look on your face and everything can really affect someone in a positive or negative way. And that really affirmed that from that negative side that that that's left a, like a mark on me. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting. Yeah. I had a very similar one. Um, the Black had supported a band in Cardiff once, and I went on to the singer after and said, um, oh, good show. And he was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, okay, wow. that's put me off you for life. And, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, it's only recently that I've kind of got into the band again. Yeah, he doesn't seem like, uh, perhaps he was having an off night or something like that, because yeah. he seems he seems like a good dude. But at the time, I was just like, oh, fuck this band then. Like, <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't care at, like, we were contributing to your good night as well. And you didn't even, you know, there was no like, oh, cool, man. Thank you. And thank you for being here. There was just, yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, get fuck. 
<laughs> and then you think as well, like artists don't owe anybody anything, but like just on a human to human basis, it's kind of weird to to d- dismiss someone like that, whether you're an artist or not. Like I don't appreciate that behavior from any human. Yeah, especially treating crowds like shit when. If it wasn't for that crowd, you'd be having the worst gig of your life. It's, it mm-hmm. just seems mad mm-hmm. to me. Like, if nobody turned up, you'd be fucked. And then to treat people like, yeah, I know how great we are. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. That's, well, I, you made this whole thing awkward. Like, yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's a good lesson in life just for people, you know, treat, treat people the way you want to be treated and with respect and everything. But, Jenna, as we start to uh, wind down on this conversation, because we appreciate you've taken a lot of time, and it's very late over in Australia, so just a, a couple of a, a couple of a, not at all. I'm really happy to talk with oh, you. Thank you. But a couple of things as we start to wind down. I mean, obviously, with uh, Heaven She, you've released a, a few tracks so far. What's the kind of plan going forward with it? Is it kind of just releasing singles and, and, and enjoying? bit by bit or is there plans for like a concrete full release of an album an ep i mean what's the kind of plan going forward with everything even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm working towards an EP. I really do want to release a body of work. Like I, I've enjoyed putting out singles and I think it was the best way to establish Heaven She. Well, you know, you could have done it other ways, but it was the most sustainable way for me to do it and to test the waters and also to learn as I go like how to budget things and how to market things. And, yeah, that, that's been a big experiment that I have actually taken away a lot from. But I miss telling an extended story and like... I'm I'm sure the audience wants more than one song at a time. So it's nice to be getting that feedback. I have a Patreon where um, I do a podcast every month and share a handful of my unfinished ideas and I get feedback from my patrons about what they like. And, yeah, it's really, really cool. So they, it's quite a collaborative experience so far where I am getting a lot of feedback from that community. So, um I'm working towards an EP 
and like that'll probably I'm hoping that'll be the next thing I, I put out this our summer over the next few months will probably be a little quiet while I get back in the studio and yeah build a new campaign for the for 2023 so basically I just want to have music that will get me on the road like I am playing shows and I have book shows for next year but like I I, I want to I want to have more songs than I can play at a set list you know <laughs> yeah so that's the next step and with a lot of people kind of checking out this project for the first time what is there anything you really hope they take away from it or kind of discover or, or the kind of thought process behind it i mean if if there's anything you hope it, it can translate to other people what would that be i i hope people listen to the songs and kind of take a bigger breath than they have all day and they're like oh i remember i'm breathing or, oh like yeah just an exhale and a release and like I, I always wanted the music i write to give people like validation of their human experience and and like just not a moment of escape, but just, yeah, like a moment of like grounding and just like, oh, reassurance, everything is okay. And like, I'm not the only one that feels how I feel. And um, that's how I like to feel when I listen to music. Yeah, it's more of an emotional takeaway that I hope people get. Nice. Well, yeah, well, thank you so much, Jenna, for taking the time oh, to do pleasure. this. This has been one we've wanted to do for ages. So I'm glad we could fi finally make it work and, and speak to it, speak to you. And um, really excited about the all the new music. And hopefully we'll get to see you in the UK or something very yes. soon. Yes. Oh, fingers I crossed. I hope so too. Thanks for bringing me on. I, I can't believe you guys make a podcast every week. Every it's week. really amazing. Well, th this <laughs> is our fourth year anniversary. This episode will be our fourth wow. year anniversary special. Every week for four years, him and me have done this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, wow. yeah, my man's back together now, so I don't really know if I need to keep doing shit anymore now. I've uh, it's, it's filled the time, but no, thank you very much for doing this. Um, yeah, we, we love you dearly. Congratulations on the new music. Everyone definitely has to check it out, and I'm sure they will. And um, yeah, like Morgan said, let's, let's hopefully we get to see you in the flesh in 2023. Um, in some capacity, and hopefully we could do one of these live. Yes. That would be fantastic. Thank you for supporting what I'm doing and giving me space to talk about it. It's been lovely to hear from both of you as well about what's happening. Have fun at the shows. Yeah, it's been very, very insightful. And yeah, it's been awesome. It's been a real eye-opener and I appreciate it very, very much. Yeah, honestly, this, this means oh. a lot. So thank you for celebrating with us. Oh, I'm so touched. Have an awesome day. Thank you. Thanks to all the listeners. Talk soon, you guys. You yes. Woo! What a fantastic chat that was with the ever lovely Jenna McDougall. Been amazing to watch her grow. Like I said, before we started, we did a tour in Australia, which was Lost Prophets, The Black and To Light The Live, which I'm not sure if it was one of their first tours, but to see them grow, and then come over to the UK and fucking smash the UK and then grow a massive, massive fan base over the year has been absolutely wonderful to watch. I wish her all the best of luck with everything that um, she has coming up. Yeah, I can't wait to possibly do one of these in the flesh with her because it was um, fantastic to see. Yeah. Yes, I'd absolutely love that. I think Jenna and Tonight Alive just became such an important 
musical outlet for a lot of people kind of my age growing up in those early 2010 scenes finding their music and i know that there's a lot of people who find a lot of kind of solidarity in her and, and really uh, appreciate her lyrics and everything like that so it was absolutely wonderful to have her on the podcast finally i've even got uh, a signed tonight live poster on my wall as we were recording this and halfway through the conversation i realized I had to change my camera angle because i didn't want to make it weird yeah but, you know. there's also a blackout one but <laughs> yeah and so. there's a bowling for soup one to do you know what they are the posters from stuff i used to do uh when i was in radio and the gigs which i went to to do interviews so that's nice. what the, so that's what they are. But um but yeah, lovely to have it. It looks like on. it looks like you've just got a wall full of signed posters and whenever I say, Who oh, should we have a guest this week? You turn around and point to the wall hmm. on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty uh, much. Well we could do another me- we could do another member of the blackout. <laughs> what about getting Chris from bowling for soup? <laughs> um we'll get one at tonight alive. Um, let's get uh James's brother from Death of Honor. <laughs> I can't see who the others are. Is that old and absence Open one? Old absence. And then that's ICW professional wrestling. Oh, tidy. That's a new roster. We've got to choose from <laughs> there. We could, do lo- we could do 30 episodes there. <laughs> but no, I mean, so happy to see Jenna Thriving and back with new music. A four tracks so far for Heaven She. Uh, go and check out The Blessing. No one will ever love you. These days, I'm trying not to feel really atmospheric indie rock kind of vibes that I think you really much enjoy. Hopefully, we'll have some Tonight Live news in the future if that's what they want to do. And uh, Heaven She can make it over to the UK for our Australian listeners. And there is quite a few. Uh, she's doing a few dates um, over there. So go and check out her website and social media for the details on that. Uh, if you go to the show, shout Sapnin, not in a heckly way, just like, you know, in a nice way. And maybe that will remind yeah, her send of our us. Love. Yeah, send our love. Say, Sapnin! Send the boys from Sapnin who love you very much. Good news about a touring, or as they say in Australia, Bonza. Nice. Uh, it's... Nice. I don't know what... Uh, tidy darts? Is that... Is that, what, is that Australian? Uh, tidy, that's, that's Australian, yeah. Bonza. Also known in Wales, tidy darts. <laughs> ah, see, I needed the translation, but no, it's been uh, it's been a very busy week. Still, uh, kind of well, celebrating in many ways the return of the blackout. We've had a lot of love on social media. I'm sure you've been filled with everything, and um, it's just been it's just been great to mix it all in with the anniversary of the podcast. Now, yes, it's been lovely. The um, the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the responses have been lovely. Um, I only had one. A uh, shitty response saying that uh, the blackout reunion equals a show for rich kids. So um, apologies if you can't afford to go to download. Um, not my fault. Again, we were just excited to play a big, massive, huge show. Um, sorry that we didn't consider everybody's bank accounts. But yes, it's been a fantastic response. <laughs> and uh, me and my friends are very, very happy. I did my first in-print interview the other day first time i've done Ooh. for quite some time yeah just really really excited for download and what's to come you never know see because if you can't afford download i'm sure the band isn't isn't just getting together for a one-off next year so i'm sure you've probably got time to save up your pennies well if they're not sure you go and check out last week's episode where we literally talk about all of that uh, and some more exclusive news some cool things in the pipeline for the future of the podcast as well, hopefully in 2023, that we're kind of talking about behind the scenes 
But if you have any suggestions on guests or things you think we should be doing as a podcast, if you'd like us to venture out into other things, please let us know via our Twitter and Instagram pages at Pod. Do you know how many messages we are going to get going, oh, yeah, this is what you should do with a podcast. Stop doing it, you fucking pricks. <laughs> it's our birthday. They can't be mean. It's our birthday. Oh, all right, dear. Uh, Morgan, how long have you been? You've been on the internet for quite some time. You know how mm, the internet works. I do. It's awful. Like, but if you want to send us those cakes, cake emojis or cake, actual life cakes, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll take a cake, please. Um, but don't bake anything into it, like a jumper or anything else I like, because that would be awful. But yeah, I will take a cake on, preferably not poison. That's <laughs> happening, Pod, Twitter and Instagram. And a reminder that if you enjoy these mad mayhems, go and support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash... Sapnin. <laughs> Fuck that up massively. Patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Don't worry, I'm keeping it all in. Loads of bonuses over there, loads of great people you'll meet and become friends with, and it literally is the best way to support us, so we would very much appreciate it. And um, if you head to the description of this episode, there's loads of names there that we like to thank, but of course, Sean is going to give them a hoosive shout-out to the elite members of our Sapnin Podcast Patreon community. Thank you very much. Cancelling my Patreon to pay to cover up my blackout farewell to a tattoo. Welcome back, you bastards. Uh... Thank you very much, Kylie Wheeler. Thank you very much, Mayumi Leeway, Paul Hirschfield, Tony still top of the league and top of the world, Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Ewing, Nathan Croshaw, Emma Barber, Mitch Perry, Scarlett Charlton, Sammy G, Kat Besson, Dana Lasnava, Jenny Robson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones. That's written down, that's not me having a stroke. Thank you very much, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Stuart McNaught, Stephen Aston, M. Evans Roberts, Caroline Robinson, Kate Patek, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Carl Pendlebury, Waka Waka Cymru. Don't know what that means. James McNaught. Jenny, thank you. The TBO times 84 Munster. I'm glad she wrote times 84 because I was not going to say that 84 times, but I appreciate you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you very much. Kelly Cannon, Emily Perry, John and Emma, Jason Aredia, Craig the Boys are back in town, Aris, Gary White, Kalila Keen, Adam King of the Goss Parslow, Ollie, we are the motherfucking dynamite Amesbury. That's not the lyric. Thank you very much. Josh, you should really try archery whilst blindfolded. You don't know what you're missing, Crisp? Very good. Thank you very much. Alice Wood, Katrina Robinson, Reese Bowring, Kate Stevenson, Kyle Wales for the World Cup, David Smith. And last by no means least, Connor Lewins. Kyle, not a chance bet. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for our Patreon community for letting us do this for four plus years. I'm so happy with everything going on lately. Uh, this week's been fantastic with all the reaction for the blackout and um, kind of blowing over to the podcast jenna is honestly a guest i've wanted on this here for so long so happy happy times and of course we'll be back next friday and every week with a very special guest so make sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen and join us for a laugh yes another four years Four more years. Four more years. <laughs> like a fucking presidency. Like, yes, I've been president of this podcast for four. <laughs> I can only do another four years and then I've got to fucking give it up to somebody else. And so we've got four more years. 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 Anyway, um, we'll go, is it? Sapnin! Sapnin! Yeah, I hope I recorded this time.
You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.